John, I have an important announcement for all our listeners. Oh, dear. This, this is hugely oh dear. important. And it gives something away about our production and, and when exactly we record these things. Yes. At, as as of this moment, Wake Forest mm-hmm. is trailing the eighth-ranked, eighth-ranked, the top ten team, Notre Dame oh, Fighting geez. Irish. Yeah, great. And it's awesome. and it's very important. You are taking me away from the enjoyment of this of this possibly monumental upset. Well, this is, and we this is also going to be great podcast gold. Because Greg is attention's divided. He's got the game playing on in the background. No, 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 so no. It's about to be halftime. I'm, I'm going to fully aware. I'm fully aware and paying attention to what's going on. And plus, I, I wouldn't throw stones from your particular glass house here on whether or not we're mm. paying attention to a film. Um, Excuse me? What, what, Greg, what? J'accuse. You can't just throw out such accusations and then not back them up. I want, I want evidence. I want hard evidence. Hard okay? evidence? Imagine I'm Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> and well, John, I have, I have important testimony to, to share. Okay. I, well, you have to do it by Monday. Oh, sorry, we couldn't schedule it. I, you can't fit it. All right, all right. Who's voting? Let's vote. <laughs> I I love that this whole this whole process is going on. I love it. I mean, just further demonstration that we need to burn this whole thing to the ground and start all over. <laughs> I'd like to hearken back to the days where I was like, you know, 2015. I was like, Hillary's gonna win and it's gonna be great, and then it's just like. You know, 2017. Jonathan is now an anarchist who just wants to burn. I, it down. No, it, it's not. It's not anarchy. I mean, this is. It's finally like we're awoken to the fact that the guy who didn't win a majority of the votes mm-hmm. is going to pick a guy who then gets chosen on by a body that gives the same weight to 700,000 people in Wyoming to 40 million people mm-hmm. in California. <laughs> Who oh, will define? Takes, who lives hot a lifetime? Takes. Who will define law for the next hundred years? <laughs> oh, hot takes, guys! We got hot takes. Exactly. For days. So I, I know this is exactly what everybody wants to listen to in their podcast. Um, <laughs> they don't. That's the only kind of podcast they want to listen to. Is exactly is uh, how our body politic is crumbling, and we're in the last days of Rome. So <laughs> you reminded me of a great picture on Twitter. I found someone uh, posted a picture of uh, like from 1992. Um, with Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Al Gore, and Tipper Gore. And, uh, you know, his caption was like, a time traveler pops in to say, three of you will win the popular vote, but only one of you will be president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's fun. It's fun to talk about this. John, how about we, how about yeah. we have a little diversion? Yeah, uh, how, about, how about just we're a thankfully, nice Yeah, present. we're thankfully sober, unlike last week. We do... Yes. Appreciate everybody who tuned into our 100th episode. Which is really a shame because I feel like we should be drunk for this episode, <laughs> for this particular movie. Why, John? Because, Greg, we're down on a whole bunch of coors because we're traveling across state lines, bootlegging yep. like the good old days because we watched Smokey and the Bandit. You heard about the legend of Jesse James. John Henry, just to mention some names, well, there's a truck driving legend in the South today. A man called Bandit from Atlanta, GA. Ever give Jam a nose his name? They swear he got ice water running in his veins. A foot like lead and nerves like steel. He's gonna go to glory riding 18 wheel. Oh boy, he left Atlanta back in '63. Hauling him a load up to Tennessee He hit Mont Eagle in a driving rain So hard he couldn't even see the passing lane Well, he started down the grade when he lost the gear He hit them brakes, found he had nowhere The Mont Eagle grade is steep and long And ever found it, it seen him thought the bandit was gone Awesome why? Why did we watch Smoking the Bandit? Well, you know, Sally Field just came out with a new memoir, and so we thought we'd revisit this movie, and there's no other reason why. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the relationship between Sally Field and uh, the late Burt Reynolds? Uh, let's not. Right. <laughs> let's keep it light. Okay. Uh, and I guess that's apropos, because this movie is very light, and I do kind of admire it for that. However, John, I do wish we could return to maybe uh, watching real movies one day. Okay. Fine, 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 fine. I mean, what is this? Look, we're aspiring snobs, okay? So I don't know where this attitude is coming from that we can't watch. <laughs> Listen, that we can't watch light, you know, fun fair. Fun fair. This is what people want to hear us talk about. Are you sure? That's what people want to. Hey, this movie from 40 years ago um, isn't very good. <laughs> Next, <laughs> how 
dare you. Listen, How I enjoyed you? There's a... I enjoyed the pilot to the Dukes of Hazard as much as the next person. <laughs> However, I'm ready to move on and, uh, and maybe watch something of substance. <laughs> That's not just Coors Light. Coors Diet is what it should be called. <laughs> you mean a Coors Light commercial, Greg? It's a Coors uh, yeah, Light commercial. You're right. Well, yeah, that, very... that and the Pontiac Tram Sam, yeah. Which, yes, which I will they're... admit is a damn cool car. I want one. <laughs> Greg, I think you're missing all the underlying subtext in this movie. Okay, okay, go ahead. There's a lot. There's a very deep political message here. It's ultimately uh, libertarian is the way, <laughs> and state laws and regulations just hold back the strong American man, the, uh, sh- an Atlas shrugged, if you will. Yes, I, I think that's ultimately what's. I think you're about. right. I think it's against the surveillance state because this mm. took place at a time when the police were not on CB radio and monitoring potential <laughs> criminal activity. So. I think no. I think it's I think it's against national security. I don't think they believe in in national security. So well, actually, there is one police officer who is on a CB radio, but only so he can taunt poor poor the bandit. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure I'm sure so they he can have little for jar, police operations, jabs even though this is not an actual police thing. Maybe we should explain the plot of Smoking and the Bandit um, outside of just oh. what people know of it, which is like uh, Burt Reynolds, good guy, good guy on the run, Jackie Gleason, bad guy chasing after him. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to call him a bad guy as like bad Looney Tune. <laughs> John, what are you saying about the about the world class performance by Jackie Gleason? Uh, it is supremely goofy yeah. in a supremely goofy movie. But yeah, th- anyway, <laughs> yes. the plot. Um, it starts out with a very inspiring opening shot with a guy walking to his truck, mm-hmm. and the police pinch him for boot bootlegging because he's transporting uh, beer east of Texas, uh, which. I, reality reality is a little bit uh, hazy on this. I mean, it was just, I believe it was just difficult for uh, the Southeast to get Coors from their brewery in the in the Rocky Mountains. Um, yeah. I believe that was the actual, but uh, apparently director Hal Brennan heard this and thought, oh, that'll be a good idea for a movie, like a modern day uh, bootleggers movie. So that that was the inspiration for it. But anyway, we we transitioned from this inspiring opening scene, like, oh man, you're in for, <laughs> you're in for a treat, aren't you? This guy got pulled over and got admonished by the yes. cops. Oh, and the stakes are raised. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> and all these characters have never seen or heard from them again. No. <laughs> it's like a curious. It's like the curious case of Benjamin Button, a prologue that you know is only tangentially related to the rest of the plot. Got it. But we go there to a state fair. We're two uh, comical, pretty hilarious uh, uh, criminal masterminds. Let's call them. Yes, Big Enos and Little Enos. Is it Mini Enos? I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> they're both named Enos. Yeah, they are played by uh, legendary performers Pat McCormick and Paul Williams. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're wearing just the most adorable matching denim suits. Oh. Yes, <laughs> the I don't costume think design. Denim. I believe uh, they, they are a bright blue, but I'm not sure they're denim. Um, Please tell me this won an Oscar for costume design, because oh boy, Shock- shockingly it didn't, John. I don't believe it Ugh. was. I I, only, I think I believed it, it received a soul. Uh, Academy Award nomination. I know that's I know that's amazing. In the year 1977, you you expected to sweep the awards. It didn't. I, I I'm not looking it up. I'm just going to assume it's best score for Eastbound and Down. <laughs> best original song. Yes. I I can't believe that didn't get nominated either. But no. Mm-hmm. I mean, they use it no less than three times in this movie. So. I, I, exactly. Too little. <laughs> it should have been used in every to the transition between every scene. <laughs> Westbound and down. Anyway. The plot. <laughs> yeah, it turns out they are the masterminds behind this uh, bootlegging operation. And they need to find a new uh, a new trucker who's who's capable, who can do what they said can't be done, and that's transport this case uh, 400 cases of Coors for uh, 900 miles across the southeastern U.S. Yeah, and I think they have 28 hours to do it. It's a very arbitrary timeline. Yeah, well, it's a ticking clock, John. It's just, this is legendary. Oh, this is legendary um, screenplay mm-hmm. writing. Uh, which I'll which I'll get to later. I I'm, yes. I don't want to be unfair. Um, I do think in these opening scenes, it it does establish its charm, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of let's I'll say somewhat ratatat dialogue, and of course the the legendary opening shot of uh, Mr. Reynolds sleeping in a hammock, seeing these two goofballs um, in their <laughs> in their bright blue suits, and uh, just sharing his inimitable laugh with the world. Oh, of course. Yeah. Although his first line of dialogue is fat shaming and also uh, little person shaming. So, again, this movie is not very woke. No. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some worse things that Mr. Reynolds does. Or, okay. or his character. First, is what his character does in the movie, and then later what Mr. Reynolds actually did in his, in his actual in his oh. real life. Oh. Yeah. We, we were watching this movie to honor Burt Reynolds, but really it's just the more and more we learn about him. It's no, just... no. <laughs> Screw him. It's not pleasant. Put him it's in not a pleasant. Grave. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Um, so yes, the whole uh, scheme is that they're going to get all this beer across state lines, which would only require one semi, you would think. But oh uh, no! But these these are sophisticated uh, criminals here. This is a very sophisticated operation. Yeah. So sm- so uh, the bandit teams up with his partner uh, Snowman, and Real Snowman is, is Snowman is his handle on CB. We should also probably explain the the trends of the late seventies. Um, <laughs> well, is this the trendsetter? Is this I, I'm the not one sure that if it kind was of the trendsetter? It was probably the catalyst, though. Okay. I'm sure everybody watched this movie and it's like, I gotta have a CB radio with a handle. I gotta have a Trans Am. I want to be like the the freewheeling, you know, happy-go-lucky trucker. So, because yes. I As believe we all the movie remember. Convoy followed this. I believe the, mm-hmm. the CB ra- radio trend really peaked in '79 and '80. Yes, so, as we all remember, in the late '70s, there was a huge explosion of trucker culture. It, yes. it went mainstream, guys. It went yes. mainstream. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> something sense- it enjoys to this day. <laughs> yeah, it brought a sense of community um, before Twitter came in and ruined it. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure those radio waves were just filled with joyful community. <laughs> Greg, you got to be careful. Trucker Twitter might come after you. It's, I know. I apologize. Well, they're still on their CB radio. They still have it. So. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag this is rubber duck. <laughs> Hashtag this is rubber truck rubber duck. <laughs> we got an epic clap back coming here. Did you know black people got got a criminal ridge in their skulls? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm assuming on. that's what actually goes on behind these C B radios, but now hold on. Yeah. I, I will give the movie credit. It's not as racist as it could have been. <laughs> no. I, I I am I was shocked by how open in spite of, you know, our criticism for Reynolds character mm. first um, <laughs> as you said, fat shaming. Um shaming a dwarf and then later uh he negs um poor Sally Field <laughs> when in their first encounter. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very yeah, it is very kind of open in terms of community. Like um he has collaborators from all walks of life. You know, it's a it's a rainbow coalition in this criminal operation. <laughs> and at one point, I think actually it might be the second police sergeant we kind of run into who is yeah. black, and uh, he is called Boy. But I think it's he kind of calls everybody Boy because he thinks of himself as. I guess I should probably introduce him. Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure I get his name right. He is Sheriff Buford T. Justice of Portugal County. <laughs> Portugal Portugal County. Portugal, Portugal, Portugal. I don't, I don't know. I don't know my counties in Texas. <laughs> They're coming from the state, the city of Texarkana, which is literally, as 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 the name implies, on the Texas-Arkansas border. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has made it his life's mission to catching the bandit. <laughs> well, John, because it's not just it's not just he he flouts the law. It's also personal. Of course, because his son was set to marry Sally Field's character, Frog, as we as we eventually learn uh, learn her na- her handle is she she yeah. gets dubbed her into real this name community. is Carrie, mm-hmm. uh, but she gets uh, christened into this community and she gets the uh, the uh, unfortunate handle of Frog because she's bouncing around a lot and Bandit wants to jump her. I, charmingly, is... John, charmingly. All right, listen. How else would you oh, expect? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's your, charming your sexual, sexual attraction. It's, it's not harassment. All right, it's I. Okay, we're gonna have to check our terms here. <laughs> because how else? How else are you gonna express in a charming manner that you find Miss Sally Field, one of the most gorgeous women alive, um, even today? She's a normal Ray for crying out loud. She's a gilf, exactly. So how how else would you expect ex- express that in a charming way? Do, well, would you yeah. want to say like, I think you're a strong, independent businesswoman <laughs> as a traveling dancer? These are my shoes. Oh yeah. And these are my legs. Yeah. What are you going to do with them? With the shoes or the legs? Last time I saw legs like that, they had a message tied to them. What do you mean? These are great little legs. I'm a professional. Well, in that case, you shouldn't be dressed in white. Dancer. Oh. Well, cowboys love fat calves. They're not fat. They're bigger than mine. Do we really want to talk about legs? Well, one of us does. Otherwise, we're going to start What are we doing now? Well, I am getting my clothes, you fool. That's a good idea. Why don't you slip into something comfortable? Are we really going 110? Uh-huh. We're going 110. Why do you wear that cowboy hat? I know, because you think it looks dazzling on you. 
here's my other problem. Every other women, uh, woman on the CB radio has some kind of call tag that kind of uh, connects them back to their gender. Like mm. uh, the other, you know, throughout the movie, we he gets he receives help from this little CB radio community, and some of them are women, but they all have titles like Hot Pants and Little Beaver. <laughs> I miss Little Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I mean, yes, who assists? Yeah, so we should. We're again, we're getting ahead of the plot here, but she oh yes, because it's in, so complicated. It's I know, such a complicated. But, but plot. Basically, Sally Field falls in with the bandit and snowman uh, mm-hmm. because she's trying to run away from this somewhat uh we'll assume a forced marriage she's just a traveling dancer she doesn't want this life mm-hmm. um and especially to be married to this dumb son of a sheriff yeah so it's a it's a butford son that is uh the one who was butford buford <laughs> buford whatever it's <laughs> they might as well call it butford because he's like <laughs> such a cartoon yeah. um it was his uh his son who was supposed to get married to sally field sally field left him at the altar and now you know not only does he want to catch the bandit but he also wants to grab her again so she can he can force this marriage. Yeah. And I do like that in the introduction, we do kind of see that he is a little bit kind of corrupt. He obviously uses his uh, power as a police sergeant to kind of like swing and kind of, you know, show yeah, off. Yeah, he's, viol- he's violent with some assailants who, it looks like they're going to steal um, Sally Field's character's car that she just abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a little he's a little rough with them, and also yeah, like like you said, uh, trying to be a big swinging dick in this uh, backwater country, and also just a tad racist to another a fellow sheriff who just has exactly. to be black. Mm-hmm. He assumes that he isn't in charge. So yeah, so um, yeah, there's some malevolence behind the behind the haplessness. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the problem is like he's supposed to be a threat, but also he's just a complete imbecile as well. So yeah, the movie is. I will again speak to the charms because there's like good kind of rat-a-tat dialogue. All the characters yeah. are clearly defined. The problem is that the movie is somewhat allergic to conflict because as this journey progresses, mm-hmm. it's basically Bandit and Snowman enlisting the help of fellow truckers, um, uh, uh, women named Little Beaver because they they operate a whorehouse <laughs> out of a mobile home. <laughs> no, that's Hot Pants, Greg. Hot Little Pants, Beaver. Excuse me. Little Beaver is with a gang of cool kids. Yeah. Like you know, like they're they're all driving around like 1950s trucks at the soda malt. Like that's that's who Leader Little yes. Beaver is. Um, <laughs> yeah, they also enlist the help of a of a very tasteful and respectful portrait of an Asian man um, who's mm. a trucker who screams bonsai as he uh, <laughs> chops the door off. Okay, so yeah, okay, it was the late 70s. <laughs> we can't expect uh, a whole kind of racial awareness and the fact here. that they were included though isn't that like a win in and of exactly. itself? Exactly. Yeah. So at least it was it was trying to get at some positive message about diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it could it could have done it better maybe if we're <laughs> if we're gonna look at this with a jaundiced eye forty years later. I thought it was a very very multifaceted portrayal of Asian culture. Okay, because <laughs> once you you know you hear bonsai, but that just that contains multitudes. You talk about the tree. Could talk about you know the celebratory nature of the Japanese, how happy they are. I think it's I think it's it speaks worlds. It speaks yeah. worlds. <laughs> Is that literally his only line? His bonsai. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but again, at least at least he's included. I think that's okay. what, that's what matters. Okay. Um, but speaking back to the the story and what little of it there is, mm-hmm. I think it's because this came out the same year as Star Wars, and basically in the seventies they didn't know how to put a story together. Really, I mean, they kind of had a vague idea, like okay, three acts and. <laughs> But you talk about it as if they're cavemen. I think, oh, come on, John. I mean, look at these characters. Are they not cavemen? No, I'm talking about you. You talk as though the uh, the screenwriters are like cavemen. It's like you, a can, little bit. you can see I mean, from the didn't... lines. They're eventually getting to the point where they can write a character. Yes. <laughs> I do talk about them that way because this, this is an era before Robert McKee and and Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. Like they uh, they so clearly did not know what they were doing in terms of constructing a story or a compelling narrative. Because the only hint of drama that comes in is when, and again I say hint of drama. It's it's I guess you could call it interesting contrast. They're a little bit ahead of schedule again because mm-hmm. you know who cares. <laughs> <laughs> Sally Field and Burt Reynolds kind of go off, and he starts to court her, and uh, they uh, they uh, enjoy a, a fruitful congress, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, down by this down by this uh, placid pond. You can uh, tell that they you can tell they're going to make it happen because Bandit says he only takes his hat off for one thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, and that's respecting a woman clearly <laughs> for tipping his hat to the yeah. ladies. Yeah, so they're clearly respecting each other in this scene. <laughs> 
and that's crosscut with Snowman stopping at a what do they call him? A choking? It's a truck stop, but they call it like a choking squeeze or something. <laughs> a choking stroke. Choking stroke. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but um, it basically he runs afoul of a couple of bikers and gets beaten up. Mm-hmm. But he uh, gets the last laugh because he takes his 18-wheeler and runs over all those bikes. Yeah, well, he gets the last laugh because he immediately gets up, gets gets back on the road, runs over the bikes, and the movie just continues. Yes, this is the most harrowing scene in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I assume that's where it's supposed to be our, sec- our act break between acts two and three, where it seems like all hope is lost. Like, But he immediately just gets on the radio and says, like, yeah. I lost a little bit of time, but uh, we're we're, uh, we're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, the movie. This reminded me a lot of is like Ocean's Eleven, because mm. Ocean's Eleven is also kind of a lark, but there is some conflict there, and there's some complications, and there does there is a very distinct all is lost moment. Yes. And like, why why couldn't they achieve that in this movie? Again, because probably their main antagonist is a bumbling fool. And the whole idea is that, you know, he's not supposed to really know who the bandit is. He doesn't get that final reveal until the end. So you can't really have, like, a final confrontation where it's like, they're just a mile down the road, but then they get stopped, and then, you know, they're stuck, and then, oh, are they going to make it? Like, that's really all this movie probably needed to make it just, like, the slightest bit compelling. Like, just the simplest obstacle. Or, like, just, I, I think just a little bit more texture in the character, like, or excuse me, texture in the characters because, again, it relies solely on the charm of Burt Reynolds. We know nothing about what he's after. Mm-hmm. We don't know any of his backstory. Like, at least with if we're going to make a comparison to Ocean's Eleven, like, George Clooney's clearly after something and it's an old flame. Exactly. Matt Damon's character, also after something and that's proving himself. I mean, he's a young, he's a young gun, uh, maybe mm-hmm. also a little green, so that leads to a lot of comedy there. Mm-hmm. Um at least there, there's there's something that characters are striving for. Here, it's eighty thousand dollars. Ooh, <laughs> which I know is not not something to sneeze at. But come on, let's let's talk about one hundred fifty. It's it's a movie. Let's go hog wild. Let's go. Exactly. Let's give it some I mean, stakes. The backstory I don't mind so much. I just yeah. wish that there was just again. It's like you break it down, and this is basically like operating on the same level as a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, literally, yeah. the roadrunner gets chased by the coyote, and the coyote always fails. And that's yeah. pretty much this movie. And is sort of... Bufford is... keep He keeps trying. It's very episodic, so I can kind of see why this movie probably succeeded and probably sustains itself for all these years, is the fact that it's very episodic. You can kind of come in at any moment and, you know, know what's going yeah. on. Because, again, there's no es- escalation. There's no stakes. There's no real plot or story you need to follow. Yeah, and there are those high points, like the, the jump over the bridge that's out, the... Mm-hmm. Um, the car like going under the semi before before it was also made memorable in vacation. Um, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so you do have those kind of like high high points of liminal action or something. But mm-hmm. like I mean, like compared said, to the Fast and Furious of today, I don't think yeah. it's anything to sneeze at. Yeah. But I'm sure but like you, you know like for you those said, simple I... <laughs> those simpletons back in the 1970s <laughs> as yeah. they went to the movie houses on all fours like oh no oh that's how you were describing them earlier <laughs> no that's how I was describing the screenwriters like car car to jump jump good character good character bad Greg the 1970s the 70, was a... no audience in the 70s didn't care they weren't they weren't crawl, crawling on their hands to the theaters <laughs> they were too busy smoking dope and <laughs> and doing rails. They would they would have taken anything. <laughs> That's why they like this movie so much. It's a great yeah. movie to watch while you're high. No, or I'm drunk. Yeah, but... I think it'd be a good idea if uh, we change places, don't you? Yeah. You kind of be a passenger for a while now. Yeah. Up, up. I just kind of slide right. Oh, you Oop. got my hair. It's all right. Just slide right under. Oh, I don't know. Wait. I got it. Wait. I got it. Wait. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right, hold it. Okay. I'm stuck here. Wait, wait. This wait. is not working. I got my phone. No, come on. It's not. God damn it. Uh-huh. I saw him do it in movies. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Doc, are you gonna be talking out of your ass? Daddy, the top came off. No shit. To go back to what you said about a Looney Tune cartoon, 
like the the Looney Tunes, it does have the appeal of like okay, clear setup. Coyote is after Roadrunner. Uh, Coyote mm. fails hysterically. It's mm. kind of got the same thing, but you just string it together for two hours. Like it's going to be a little exhausting, and that's that's what I felt by the end. Like especially after that truck stop scene we just described. Like okay, Snowman's just going to get back in the car, and we're just going to do this again for the exactly. next like, thirty minutes. <laughs> I mean, granted, it does coast by a lot on its charm, and you do have to give it credit for that. Yeah. And I will admit, as a car person, like Dan, do I want to find a Trans Am right now and just <laughs> and peel out and do the one of ten million J turns that they do in this movie? <laughs> but again, like you can't help but be reminded of like better movies. And the other one, obviously, the mm-hmm. greatest comparison point is probably the Blues Brothers, because oh, that yeah. is the same exact structure. It's two guys out running the cops, trying to get to a location as they, you know, meet all their famous friends, and you know, you gather this. Nice little kind of fun cabal of, you know, colorful characters. And, yeah, that's the, and that's the other thing I think that was a missed opportunity with this movie. It would have been nice if they kind of like brought everyone back together, all the little friends that they've gathered on this little trip, like, you know, mm-hmm. Little Beaver and Hot Pants yeah. <laughs> and Bonsai. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the, the sheriff who was wronged earlier, who has this car dumped in the river and is the victim of racism against Sheriff <laughs> Buford T. Pup- Pusser, maybe he could come back and say, like, you're out of your jurisdiction, now you're under arrest, and, you know, we get that triumph, kind of. Exactly, yeah. But instead, yeah, we kind of get nothing, it just ends. They, they <laughs> Spoiler alert, they get to their destination. <laughs> um, they they win. I don't think they get the money, not that it matters. I mean, again, well, no, they that... have to run off immediately again, and he kind of gives up his Trans Am. He just kind of leaves it there, they hop into a new car, so yeah. they can't be spotted, but then you know they have that kind of like final like meet and greet with the with the sheriff, like you not know, not a meet the... and greet. It's more like a twist. Like you, he has yeah. no idea what uh, Burt Reynolds' character looks like. Exactly. So they're sitting across from each other, one another, and and they're kind of toying with him. Like like hey, check your six o'clock. Like you know, bandits right well, here initially, waving, yeah, waving and... hello. And that's that's why I compared it. This is just a pilot. This is just like oh here we go again. <laughs> Well, no, it's weird because it seems like he's going to finger the people who were going to pay him money, but he hasn't been paid yet, so you don't want them to get pinched by the cops. Like, why are you, why are you giving away your, your potential buyout? Like, but then, he, you know, he thinks better of it, and he goes, you know what, I got too much respect for you, look behind you, and then it, he reveals himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, like, why, why are we overthinking this? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I, you're the one that chose this movie, so... Because this is what made Burt Reynolds famous. I guess so, yeah, and I guess, well, I guess we can speak to the very base-level charm that he mm-hmm. has. Um, again, we won't get into his... Um, ex- externalities like his real mm. relationship with Sally Field um, mm. in the course of shooting this movie. Yeah. Um, because Sally Field had just published a uh, autobiography or memoir, and she recounts um, how emotionally abusive he could be. Mm. And again, the I guess we kind of have to confront it. Um, uh, <laughs> Burt Reynolds was a jerk. <laughs> yes, he was an asshole. <laughs> yes. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember that time he slapped a reporter on the red carpet for like the longest yard? I do. Oh. Yeah. Look, he was a product of his time. Yeah, it was yeah, the seventies. So, yeah. Things were different. Yeah, when you come down from that kokai, I mean, nobody's happy. So no, <laughs> that's the problem. He couldn't get lewds anymore. That's why yeah. he was so. That's why he was so upset later in life. Yeah. Well, maybe we should also speak to Sally Field and how how great and kind of uh, I love how gritty she is. Sort of like she's she's so clearly a city slicker, which is also mm-hmm. like refreshing. Um, but the fact that she also don't take no shit is also. Um, <laughs> And the, and the fact that she can be so bracing with the bandit and the circumstance is is also very entertaining. Yeah, um, she's kind of the closest arc you get. Any character gets an arc in this movie is probably her, yeah. because or agency, she, like because she yeah. she has she's confronted with a choice. Like she can be dropped off the next truck stop or continue on the journey with Bandit and Snowman, mm-hmm. and she obviously chooses to continue on the journey. Yeah, because when she first gets picked up, it's like, is she going to be able to handle this kind of lifestyle? And it turns mm-hmm. out, yeah, she can. Because, you know, she was, at first, you know, she was very scared, she was very worried, and I don't know, she, her driving skills, oh boy, <laughs> women in cars, am I right, fellas? Folks, folks, yeah. tell me about it. <laughs> she does do her own driving, and she and she does admirably. She does incredibly well, actually. Not even admirably. Um, <laughs> I mean, for a Trans Am, I would never be able to drive a Trans Am. Oh, no, yeah, we'd, we'd spin out immediately. <laughs> no, the gearbox would fall out by the time I got yeah, it out the, the driveway. Would fall out, yeah. <laughs> There were no airbags in that thing either. It would just be, we would be straight out of that signal thirty. No seatbelts either. Because there's a lot of. No, there are seatbelts. They they refuse to wear them though. Well, no, because we need. 
yeah, we need all those stunts for them to go into the back seat, and she's she's mm-hmm. taking off her dress, and you know, it's like, oh boy, what's underneath that? And she's fully clothed underneath, so yeah. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she can get in and out of a dress pretty quick, fellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also do find it fascinating the story behind her casting, mm-hmm. because Sally Field got her start with lightweight sitcoms like uh, Gidget and The Flying Nun, <laughs> and but she kind of turned a corner with the a dramatic series called Sybil, where she was more like a heavyweight character. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to do this like fun B movie. And then, so now Sally Field is like back to do being fun and lighthearted. But then no. two years later, she wins her first Oscar for Norma Ray, a <laughs> big serious movie. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, she, it's like a whole roller coaster of like, when you're, you're going to be lighthearted and fun, or you're going to be deadly serious. <laughs> I mean, but actors would kill to have that kind of range. Like, let's Absolutely. be honest. Yeah. Like if anything, I think it, it shows off how versatile she is. The fact that she can pretty much do anything, mm-hmm. like I don't know, maybe maybe this movie could have stretched her more in terms of that because I think you're asking be... too much of the movie. Yeah, Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's true. Again, Neanderthals wrote this movie, so <laughs> and the dumb people of 1977 lapped it up, lapped yep. it up like the sheep mm-hmm. they were. Yeah, same with Star Wars too. Gosh, How... What happened in 1970? What 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 was happening at the time? I I lay it at the feet of Carter, to be honest. <laughs> Too much lead in the water. That's what was yep. going on. And Star Wars is great. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, but some, that's some idiots put it in their like top ten movies of all time, <laughs> number two or four or whatever the hell it was, because <laughs> they're juvenile. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, there is there is a certain level of charm too when you see a movie like this, and it's kind of like you can see the edges, you can see the the trim marks, and. Uh, like I think that's also part of the charm of Star Wars, and probably a charm of a lot of '70s movies is that you know everything is so unpolished as opposed to today, when yeah. you know because we it were can, watching. You can feel sterile, whereas this, this, I mean, yeah, there's something kind of refreshing about them actually filming in a car that's moving, not on a studio backlot with a green screen. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and uh, you know, like they actually literally had to jump that car, so or mm-hmm. send cars careening into ditches, so. Yep. No special effects, folks. I yeah, that's it. They don't make them like this anymore. Let me tell you. Yeah, I will say in complete contrast to the previous uh, thirty minutes. <laughs> if you do sit down and watch this movie, you will probably enjoy it. So, yeah. you know what? It's your life. This is America. You can do whatever you want. Just go ahead. It's a perfect TV movie. Very episodic. Oh, because it is point. a TV show, pretty much. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and like again, it's just background noise because you don't really have to pay attention. Yeah. Just enjoy your, in the same, if you enjoy Looney Tunes cartoons, you'll probably enjoy this. Exactly. Yeah. You're or Ocean's Eleven, which is great on TNT. Yeah. You can like, enjoy that movie on TNT too, as well as the Blues Brothers. Maybe that's on, I remember we first caught it on uh, Channel 56 <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, so. Yeah, watch Blues Brothers. That is the complete creative fulfillment of this genre. Cars go fast, police go careening into ditches. Yeah, of of this subgenre, <laughs> this movie was only it was only the 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 taster, the 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 drop of an aromatic bitter. Okay. Um, <laughs> Blues Brothers is a it is a giant blue cocktail served in a fishbowl, <laughs> like scorpion bowl things. That's what mm-hmm. that's what the Blues Brothers is. So enjoy that, please. Not the not the not the quick chaser that Smoking the Bandit is. Okay. Who that? This is Bandit Darble talking. Where are you, you son of a bitch? Well, i tell you where I am, Sheriff. There's just one thing I want to say. You must be part coon dog, because I've been chased by the best of them. Son, you make them look like they're all running in slow motion. I just want to say that. Well, thank you, Mr. Bandit. And as the pursuer, may I say you're the goddamnest pursuee I ever pursued. Now that the mutual bullshit is over, where are you, you some bitch? I'm right down the bottom of the hill, Sheriff. I'm six foot eight in a cowboy outfit. I got a little <laughs> pygmy standing right beside me, dressed just like me. You can't miss me. Ten four. Wait a minute. Scratch that. Hold it. I can't lie to you, Sheriff. You're too good a man. Look over your left shoulder. We're on our way to Boston to get some clam chowder. Bye-bye. No hard feelings, Jason! Well, Greg, it sounds like we're full of recommendations for people. Maybe, oh, we should do, maybe we should do a segment at the end of every episode where we highlight a certain thing we have to recommend. 
And it'll never work. <laughs> oh, well. Let's just end it here, yeah. Okay, we're both well, in a bad mood. Yeah, we like started subscribe. talking about politics, so, yeah. Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. No, no, don't even, no. Don't even bother with that. Who cares? <laughs> no, no, we should do a spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Whoa. <laughs> Suddenly, I've been, I've been transformed. <laughs> the spotlight on me has... <laughs> the radiating light. I know. <sighs> Has suddenly, put me, has suddenly put me in a good mood, and I'm ready to recommend a ton of things, John. Okay, what do you have for this week's Spotlight, Greg? Go! Well, frequent listeners will know our 100th episode was last week, mm-hmm. and that freed us up um, to not have to watch a movie um, for that whole time. <laughs> so, What are you talking about? I watched all 100 movies I put on my list again. <laughs> oh, just so, just so we could be sure. Yeah, that's what I yeah, did, exactly. <laughs> um, I called out sick for the whole week. Um, I've been fired, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> I got no sleep. Yeah. But anyway, that did free up time to actually, you know, re- expose myself to some new movies. Serious movies. Real movies, John. Mm-hmm. Movies that begin with articles like A and The. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, I would be happy to recommend them, um, but I will in later weeks. For now, I want to recommend a YouTube channel called You Suck at Cooking. <laughs> oh, everyone loves this. Oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're like 10 years too late, though. <laughs> I Probably. Like... I think I, the, the guy, the, the brainchild behind it, this kid in toronto or something like that um has it's been around for i think four years he uploads them intermittently um Mm -hmm. because i think he he is committed to quality unlike us which is just committed to product like we'll put on (laughs) quantity quantity every week every week we'll put out a mediocre uh, product but at least it's every week at least it's consistent uh this guy does a let's let's say a jaundice cooking show it's like a cooking show on acid no 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 anyway (laughs) Hold the stop the presses. Adjust your monocles. <laughs> so he does kind of like these regular home recipes. They don't they may not look as enticing, but it is kind of creative cooking wise. So at the very least, you get that out of it. Um, but you also have to admire the filmmaking. The, the as we're talking about, like kind of homespun filmmaking, um, just the clever editing and uh, just the jokes that he's able to inject in um, what could be a simple four-minute recipe mm. for, let's say, uh, potato salad, <laughs> or his most recent episode, which really triggered this particular spotlight, on ramen. Oh. Yep, so he just, um, as of this recording, he just uploaded his latest uh, recipe, or recipes, um, using that, that brick of ramen um, <laughs> that are most college kids, and that's what that's what he themed this entire episode around, is um, if you're living in college, and particularly if you have conflicts with your roommates. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I know I was introduced to him because he did a little like interjection in an episode of binging with Babish. Yeah, which we've the epi- also spotlit um, yes, on this uh, the years episode, ago. I think at this point. Yeah, the episode was about uh, cooking with clay, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, he used the wrong kind of clay. He used like modeling clay, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't able to break. But he was able to make some art with it, and he made like a little facsimile of uh, the uh, statue of David with the perfect little penis. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that's what you took away. That mm-hmm. is not that is not indicative of his of his regular YouTube channel because they are he genuinely does make pretty enticing recipes, um, <laughs> just with a, a kind of odd way of of displaying them, like um, showing him chopping a, a single russet potato into small just by punching it, and it will suddenly become cubes, <laughs> cubed, perfectly cubed. <laughs> okay. Um, Throw, throwing a celery stalk against the wall, and suddenly it'll be perfectly chopped once it once it collides with it. Um, <laughs> When is he so going to do clever... a crossover with At Home with Amy Sedaris, Greg? I, I don't know. That'd be great. Well, it's because he doesn't show his face. Um, oh. Because <laughs> the, comedy, the comedy can get a little strange. Ooh. So, <laughs> what? Yeah. Assuredly, his workplace doesn't want to know doesn't want to know that they employ a deviant um, oh, okay. who uploads YouTube videos in his free time. But Okay. Well, where, where's the Japanese man who goes bonsai? That's comedy. <laughs> No, instead he extracts comedy out of uh, just the absurd, like, uh, I remember one episode is centered around cauliflower, um, but he says it's like the human brain, so when he chops chops it up, um, the frame starts to get distorted and, okay. <laughs> and broken because uh, he's he's affecting the uh, cauliflower in certain ways. It's like affecting the human brain, so oh, okay. when he roasts it, the, the, the screen suddenly starts to go dark and discolored. Okay. <laughs> Um, another favorite is uh, I mentioned that potato salad one. Um, th- first, he has to harvest the potatoes by um, snatching them out of their nest. But look out for Mama Potato because she'll come right after you. So okay. <laughs> and uh, was this the first one that kind of like spawned the whole like you suck at blank like theme running throughout YouTube or? 
Maybe. I because I know he has other like Patreon or YouTube mm-hmm. Red exclusive channels called You Suck at This. Um Okay. I'm not sure if they've hit because they're premium content and nobody sees them. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> who pays for YouTube Red? Come yeah. on. So at the very least, um, you can get you get a you get a you get an enticing recipe out of it, and maybe if you enjoy the humor, <laughs> uh, the you can you, that's just icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, the one it reminds me of a lot, or at least the only other one I could think of off the top of my head. I don't know if he actually does it, but uh, you suck at Photoshop. I don't know if you ever watched that one. Oh, okay, no, I haven't. Okay, and that, that one might actually that might be a completely different person. I know that was a viral hit, so. Exactly. That one's more of like kind of like straightforward tutorial, but there's like obviously like marriage difficulties. There's a whole like saga going on in the background. Like you'll hear his wife yelling at him as he's doing his tutorial. (laughs) And then it kind of interjects into his tutorial. Like he'll be like, we're going to Photoshop, let's say this picture of uh, my marriage certificate on uh, this window of a van where people probably are copulating and just remind them. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, merge these layers. (laughs) Yeah. So that... That doesn't sound like, yeah, that's probably a different person because it's also very deadpan, as mm-hmm. I should also explain. Um, another great joke he had in this, uh, the second latter half of the video it takes place entirely in zero-G because um, I believe he says, like, this is the best um, egg sandwich on Earth. Now, for the best egg sandwich on Mars... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep. Well, Craig, from my spotlight, I have a, I have a lukewarm take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this past week, I watched a Netflix exclusive called Next Gen. Have you heard of this movie? I have. This is a... Is this the animated movie, or...? Yes, this is an animated movie. Okay. Um, it's got robots in it, so obviously I was intrigued from the start. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, you want something lighthearted and fun, say, in, in sharp relief to the Predator in theaters right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't call it super lighthearted and fun. It's actually... It gets pretty dark at times, but not what? terribly dark. Okay. Uh, it's, it's it's not good. I'll go that far. I'll just <laughs> whoa, 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 I'll, I'll whoa, whoa. put that at the jump. Um, but it is kind of interesting, and I do kind of want to talk about it because it's a Chinese production that they dubbed in English. Okay. The animation is uh, very good. I wouldn't say it's like Pixar level, but it's at least DreamWorks level. Okay. It takes place in a kind of futuristic world where robots are kind of part of everyone's daily lives. Like they clean up the streets. Like every literally everything is a robot. Um, so so like... it's a utopia, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, except for our main character. Ah. So the story centers around a young girl named Mai. Her dad is dead. And her mom kind of... Well, yeah, I mean, you got to sympathize with the character. uh, Of course, yeah. Um, And her mom, as kind of an extension of her grief, kind of puts all her life energy into, like, robots. And so that's part of the reason why Mai has a certain uh, animosity towards robots. She feels like her mom is, like, way too obsessed with them. And the movie gets a lot of mileage out of, like, what it can literally turn into a robot. Like, streets, cars are robots. Little ramen bowls are robots. Like, literally everything is a robot in this world. <laughs> I, I see no issue with this. I mean, <laughs> of this, course. I don't, I don't see what this little brat has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so as a result, Mai is kind of a sullen teenager. She's kind of a punk. She's got a pink string in her hair. Ooh, she's a badass. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, has the Chinese gov- government, you know, seized on this deviant clip? I mean... <laughs> Has she been put on? A, has she been put on a train to Guangxing, <laughs> to a labor camp? I will give it credit. Watching the whole movie, I, I knew it was a Chinese production, so I'm like, at what point does she learn the lesson of conformity and not questioning authority? <laughs> Which well, sadly does she? she doesn't. No, she does not learn that. Okay. Um, instead, uh, through some plot machinations, she befriends a robot, a experimental robot named Project Seventy Seven, voiced by the ever affable John Krasinski. Okay. Really? I mean, yeah. he's he's such a busy guy. I can't believe that. Oh, he has time to do a, you know, American dub of some Japanese movie. Come on. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, Chinese movie. Um and so what I like about the movie is it's kind of like Iron Giant in reverse. Okay. This robot is experimental and is overloaded with just a shit ton of weapons, just laser swords and missiles and, you know, laser blasts and everything. Mm. And as opposed to like the Iron Giant, where it's like the robot discovers it has all these, you know, militaristic capabilities. It's like, no, you decide who you want to be. Instead, my because she's an angsty, angry teenager, she's like, yeah, use those weapons. Let's take back this world. <laughs> <laughs> so she uses the robot to like, you know, just cause mayhem, like knock over boxes, get back at her bullies, just cause havoc. 
because she's angry and she's sullen mm. and she's mad at this world. So, and the robot, you know, eventually kind of gets like mixed feelings about it. And it's just kind of like interesting that it goes in that direction with it, where it's like the robot is the voice of reason. And this, I mean, maybe, maybe there's the Chinese government like agreeing with this subtext. Yeah. Like, no, use your cold, hard, logical mind and do what's best for the community. <laughs> yes. Do the categorical, um, categorical imperative. Use your military might. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. categorical like, imperative and if that yeah. means uh, breaking a few eggs for your delicious omelet then <laughs> and then it kind of you know there's the big twist about the evil corporation that builds all these robots and there's a evil scheme involving them he's you know the evil bad ceo with a man bun Ooh, you can that's how you know he's whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> pause <laughs> the power mat ceo has a man bun <laughs> exactly Okay. Uh, and I, he's, I I know that I know that's a sign of villainy, John. Not that particular sign of villainy, though. <laughs> I guess they tried to cover all their bases. Yeah, and he's voiced by Jason Sudeikis, so he's kind of in that like colossal mode where he's like, "Hey, he's affable, he's friendly," but then you know it's no, hiding a, it's a, a turn, sinister yeah. undercurrent. Yeah. yeah, he should have been in Jurassic World as the bad guy, as the heel. Oh, he would have been great. Yeah. I know. Instead, we got the rape spell or whatever. Whatever. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> And then David Cross voices like the actual scientist who builds all the robots and then all the actual robots themselves, which kind of gets a little grating after a while, which I never thought I'd say about David Cross, but it's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But here's where we get to the worst part of the movie, which is... Okay. Well, because it sounded like a hearty recommendation until now. <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. Okay, yeah. so it's a kid's movie, so now we have to interject the comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> It, so it's not David Cross. It's no. not It's not Jason Sudeikis. It's not even John Krasinski. All world-class comedic actors. Who no, everyone's it? everyone's in solemn mode in this movie. Oh, okay. It's very stately. It's very it's very stately. No, the role of comic relief goes to Michael Pena as my dog Momo. Well, well John, we love Michael Pena. Come on, the world uh, loves Michael Pena. Not in this movie, you're not. <laughs> So the idea is that Momo is this hyperactive dog, and mm-hmm. he's just yipping all day, but the robot, Project 77, has a way to translate what he's saying. So then okay. it becomes a wise-cracking talking dog. <laughs> and here's the best part. The dog swears like a sailor. So he what? beeps everything the dog is saying. So when the dog is talking, you know, doing its, like, jive-talking thing, it's intercut with all these beeps. Implying that the dog is just like swearing his ass off. Huh. Yeah. It's okay. very. And this isn't a movie for children. Yes, this is a movie for children. Okay. Just, yeah. Because okay, I think we're I think we're kind of losing the thread here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I I don't want to again besmirch President Xi and the and the wonderful uh, Chinese film industry. However. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. And then the story. The story kind of progresses nicely, and again, there's the you know the sinister corporation, and you know the whole robots go Ultron on everybody. So you know it's it's it, it goes in that kind of general direction. So it's like I, while I do think like the underlying like relationship between Project Seventy Seven and Mai is kind of like interesting, and I wish they kind of explored that more and get rid of the fucking dog. Um, <laughs> I I kind of want to recommendation uh, recommend it for its potential. Okay. If not the final product. All right. <laughs> so let's call it that. Let's just say that. So next gen, check it out on Netflix. It's free. Come on. Uh, yeah. Well, free with your subscription, I mean, which is rising daily. So oh. sorry. Sorry. I'm not getting, I'm not, I want more out of my $11 a month. Thank you. <laughs> Greg, they're giving you so much <laughs> quantity. Remember, we're all about quantity. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Quality. Uh, you know, I every blind squirrel ta- finds Yeah. That. We didn't even, we didn't even think about talking about the, their latest hit, or not latest hit, but the latest big release, and it wasn't Next Gen, it was BoJack Horseman. Well, we've already um, talked about BoJack Horseman. We've already spotlit that like years ago. We did? Okay. Yeah. I guess we spotlit episodes. it. When... They all blend together. Oh, well, John, not the new season. <laughs> guess guess what? It's more uh, wacky hijinks, followed by ennui. <laughs> <laughs> and the last three episodes don't even try to be a comedy. <laughs> Greg, we got Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter for that, okay? <laughs> That's true. Oh Everybody. no, one of my circuitous complicated plants has gone awry once again. <laughs> Don't worry, this will all come together at some point. It always has to. I have a sneaky suspicion this will pay off in a big way later. <laughs> again, I, I'm glad somebody could wholeheartedly recommend something this episode. <laughs> okay, Even if it is a very slight YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. But if you have recommendations for us, 
why don't you reach out to us through our many channels? Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're on Gmail. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead, send us an email at Gmail. The way I said that, it's like, <laughs> hey, there's a new Go- there's a new Google social media channel. <laughs> I was gonna say you sounded very old man. Like, have you ever tried the Gmail? Do you think the <laughs> Gmail's a good way to talk to people? <laughs> anyway, reach out to us via email, aspiringsnobs at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. with your comments the, the and thing recommendations. Everybody has, yeah. Yep, and, and clearly. Smoking the Bandit, we're obviously losing losing a bit of the thread and the, and the impetus for the podcast, which is to be Excuse me. cinephiles, film snobs, and smoking Classics the Classics come not... in all shapes and sizes, Greg. How dare you? Mm. We've done the fucking Goonies for this podcast, okay? <laughs> Why? You really hold this, like, below the Goonies? Come on. I, well, no, because the Goonies <laughs> is also terrible. So, yeah, less... <laughs> no, less I say more. Touch, yeah, less cultural touchstones. No more 90s I say movies. more cultural touchstones. More cultural touchstones. More 90s. 90s. We're not going to look at it unless it's got eight Oscar nominations at the very least. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so check out next week when we do The Reader. Anybody remember The Reader? <laughs> How about Shakespeare in Love? Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. Widely mm. remembered. Everyone loves that movie. Who produced that again? Mm. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> And yes, once you once you've reached out to us on social media and you've liked our pages, you can like us and subscribe on your podcast service of choice. We're on every single one of them: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Player FM, Acast, Podbean. There, there are literally too many, so you can't miss us. <laughs> exactly. It, the fact that you haven't subscribed by now is actually, frankly, insulting. So yeah, uh, get to it. Insulting to us and yourself. I mean, chop chop. Ugh. I know. You look like one of those. You look like one of those. You look like the son of Q- Buford T. Justice. Um, <laughs> you look like a '70s screenwriter. Yeah, <laughs> with your big forehead and your hairy knuckles. Yeah, clawing in, yeah, clawing in on your knuckles. <laughs> like how do we make story good? Um, <laughs> car jumps. <laughs> all right, Greg. Well, because you're so you're so hell bent on making us watch all art films from now on. What are we watching? Mm-hmm next week well john i mean clearly we're just going to watch uh we choose movies based on uh what exactly maybe it's cultural relevance so um if there is a movie that's being remade or a long-awaited sequel we we tend to revisit uh the original to view it in context and see what made uh what made the story so compelling to audiences that would happen again um with next week seeing the release of a star is born that's what we're going to be watching a star is born greg whoa 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 hold on yeah but which version I don't know, John. I mean, I'll leave that up to you. You choose which version. Mm, I have a better idea, Greg. What? I mean, maybe we can watch just the, the original, like the 37 version. How about that? No, no. Well, well, okay, we'll just watch one. If we have to just watch one, we'll watch the 56 version with Jimmy no. Garland. That's what we'll... No. Uh, okay, fine. We'll look at the most recent one. Uh, the, the 1976 version with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. That's the, that's the one we'll watch, right? No, Greg. We're going to watch all of them. No! <laughs> <laughs> no! So, yes, look forward to next week. We're going to watch A Star's Born. <laughs> All of them. No. <laughs> All three versions. Oh, boy. Oh, great. Well, thank God I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> thank God I don't need sleep anymore. Yeah. My life is movies now. This and nothing else. Yeah, we're silver screen fiends, as, uh, as Pat Oswald termed. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring, y'all. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Pounder, what no bandit run?